Welcome to IT Origins, an interview series from Gestalt IT. Every Thursday, we bring you new interviews with IT entrepreneurs, executives, and engineers to find out how they got their start in the industry and where they see it going. Today, we have the fortune to be talking to Patrick Palm, the CEO and co-founder of Favro. Patrick, thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so let's jump right into kind of the uh, titular question. Uh, can you give me some idea of what your IT origin story is? Uh, how long have you been in the field? And, you know, how did you get your start? We, um, we started another company called um, uh, Handsoft, you know, a bit more than, um, than 10 years ago. It was the same uh, co-founders as I have now with, uh, with Fabro. And um, the problem we saw back then was uh, how you uh, scale uh, game development production. So my two fellow co-founders, they had um, uh, been part of the team that started a game development studio, which is they called uh, Starbase Studios and, you know, listed in, in Sweden and, you know, doing very well. And um, back then, you know, there was a situation where um, the amount of people needed to make a AAA game, uh, you know, grew from you know, 10, 15 people in a room to, to 50 people, 100 people, even more. So in practice, you really get the situation with the team of teams, you know, trying to create a you know, great um, experience together. And uh, we didn't think that there was really any good um, you know, tools to support, uh, you know, both the technical challenges, but also the, you know, the, the creative aspect of, of uh, you know, creating games. So the product management tools at the time were either kind of traditional uh, tools, or they were you know, glorified ticket trackers, and, and we just thought there was a need for for something entirely new. And I had been working with a lot of tech tech companies before, in you know more from kind of a commerce commercialization point of view, you know, helping them get their businesses off the ground. And you know now we saw an opportunity to start an entirely new company together. Uh, so that's what we did. And and what it became was um, it really became a, a platform for. Uh, scaling um, agile software development into very large product teams. So we work with customers in not only game development, but also in um, you know airspace, defense, um, you know telecom, so forth. So so that was um, that was really how we we got deep into the you know the, the, the product management space. And and what we saw a few years ago was that the um, you know, the agile way of working was really starting to cross over into other kinds of teams, you know, like marketing or, or even executive groups. And, um, the, um, you know, this, this was you know, very much driven by the fact that the kind of adaptability that you want to achieve uh, with, with agile product management in, in software development, that kind of same need for adaptability uh, also started to emerge in, you know, other, other, other kinds of teams. To take one example, if you think about marketing, um, it's uh, it's no longer like what you see in you know Mad Men with you know Don Draper <laughs> uh, in kind of you know corner office, uh, you know making all the big shots and everything's kind of like you know big bang campaigns and and today um, marketing campaigns are much more similar to software development. It's more about kind of you know building a relationship with micro audiences and more of a continuous process and it's way more data driven. So it's um, it's much it's much more similar to, to creating a software product. And, and then, uh, you know, these marketing teams are, are benefiting from simply picking up the same kind of a product management approach as software developers have been, been pioneering for, for many years now. So, so that was, you know, that, that, that's the, you know, the driving force behind this. And we, we just didn't think that there was, uh, you know, any good uh, tools in the market that were designed, you know, with, with the whole organization in mind. 
it was kind of um, you know you have to choose between a kind of a very you know big complex enterprise uh, product or um, you basically go with um, any of the teams uh, you know the teams basically picking whatever they want and and you know you're kind of fine with that but but everything's siloed so um, you know it, it might not really help kind of with you know with the bigger picture so so we we had an idea about a design for uh, for for, uh, you know, for solving this problem. So that's that's basically when we kind of you know got to action and 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 started you know Favro and and you know launched it you know a bit more than a year ago and 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 you know here we are today now with with you know fast growth and and a new new company journey. So it's it's a lot of it's a very exciting time right now. So how did how did you initially uh, kind of become interested in game development? Did that come from a a software? You know, was that something that started uh, from an interest in software development in general, and then specifically to gaming, or was you know as, as a kid were you a, were you a gamer as a kid? I'm just kind of curious. I think uh, you know my my two fellow co-founders, you know Eric and Hans and, and myself, we we kind of came into this from somewhat different angles. So uh, in their case. You know they were you know they were teenagers and they they wanted to create games you know and they they had you know what was called a demo team so you know back in those days uh, you know you kind of got together and you created these kind of you know demos to kind of showcase your skill and um, and and you know you you tried to make a, a deal with a publisher uh, so you would get you know financing and distribution so you can actually you know create a real game um, the world has changed a bit since then because now. You know, you can you can publish on you know Steam. You know, can publish you know any of the app stores. So um, the market has changed quite a bit. It's, it's a bit similar to the music industry, where you know before you were dependent on getting that kind of record deal, but but now you can you can self-publish in a whole different way. So the market has changed since then. But but back then for them it was really about you know they were creating these kind of you know demos and they they just wanted to start start creating games and and you know they they managed to. To, you know, to get finances and you know create this company, and that, that's basically how they got into it. Um, in my case, it's you know it is you know I was um, you know I was a gamer, and um, um, you know back in the you know Commodore 64 and you know Amiga days, and and it's kind of funny, you know, many of the people that I hang out with then, and you know we we, we you know we played a lot of games. You know, some of them went on to become game developers, and and are are quite famous figures today. Um, so there was there was a lot of um, lot of talent that was kind of shaped you know in the early days during during that era, and it's kind of funny. There's actually this book uh, that came out in Sweden called uh, Generation C64, which just captures a couple of these personalities that were you know just just you know early you know playing a lot of games on the Commodore 64, and how many of them kind of then you know went on to become uh, you know very influential um, you know I, IT. Um, entrepreneurs and, and 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 you know generally influencers. So, but in my case, I am um, I also had this big interest for organization. So, um, you know, I was never a good coder, so so that was was not my path. Um, and um, I, um, uh, I I did some work in the military uh, in in the Air Force um, and uh, as a leadership instructor, and I thought it was very interesting with you know how. You know, small autonomous teams can can truly be be hyper performing. You know, if uh, if the team is put together in the right way and they have the right training and and the right you know group dynamic. So, um, when I when I later went to to university, I wanted to continue um, to learn more about you know that whole aspect of you know the team dynamics of of performance. I studied a little social psychology, and um, 
and then you know when I started working uh, with these uh, you know tech tech companies, uh, I was I was um, chief executive of a consulting company, you know helping um, tech startups to to you know get financing, get to market. You know it was that kind of you know uh, interface between the technology and the business and and what the what the customers are actually going to use the technology for. I mean those kind of three you know coming together, I always thought was like super interesting. So. It was kind of a match made in heaven, you know, when I met with, you know, with uh, with Hans and Eric, and 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 you know, we started to talk about that that very specific problem in in the game industry, and and we had some ideas, you know, how to how to fix it. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting uh, approach to that because I feel like a lot of tools, uh, whether productivity, communication, uh, you know, project management, what have you, are, are originally at least uh, a thought of because something is technically available or, or you know, they're, they're, you were able to do more real time or you're able to, to share things more easily, but not necessarily coming from an organization first uh, perspective. So that's that's a really interesting background to have for that. Yeah, I mean, that that is very true. And <clears throat> I mean, most tool vendors are uh, are are typically, um, you know, liking a lot of kind of process heavy things, because if you have very defined processes, um, then um, you know, you basically set these processes, you know, in, in, in the tool and, 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 you know, doing various kinds of reporting is something that, you know, tools kind of lends itself naturally to. So very often these, these, um, these tools are quite heavy on that. So, so if you look at, you know, organizations that let's say are quite heavy on something like, let's say Jira, um, you know, very often, you know, what they like is that they, they can, they can really, you know, set very defined processes and they can, uh, they can then, you know, roll that out at scale. Um, but the way, you know, we always thought about it is that, you know, the core of agile is, is, is almost like the opposite. You know, you want to put, uh, you know, the people and interaction between people, um, you know, front and center. I mean, that is, that is the most important thing. And you want to put that, you know, before processes and tools, that's, you know, one of the pillars of agile. Um, and then you might say, well, if you're, if you're, if you're a tool vendor, then, you know, how do you approach that? Well, it, you, you need to approach, you need to think, you know, if you're going to make a, a tool, where a tool is not going to get into your way, but but you know really um, you know support that way of thinking. Um, you're going to need a, a somewhat different design and a different mindset when you design it. And I think this is why we we've been um, we've been recruiting a lot of former game developers uh, to our team, um, and I think that helps because they have a, a different mindset. You know, they're not coming in from kind of a tool vendor point of view. Um, they're coming in with a perspective of how do we create something which is an experience for. Uh, you know, for for the user, so we kind of we, we you know with Faro we sometimes talk about it as you know we are really democratizing management. You know, we're making management much more distributed across the organization. So instead of having very specific you know managers or directors doing the management part and the rest kind of following, um, we want to you know support that kind of more uh, you know broad distribution of power, so to say. And when you do that uh, from a tool point of view, you kind of have to take. The management out of management, if you see what I mean, you know, you, you need to make you need to make people not feel like okay, now I'm a product manager. You know, I need to feel I'm like, well, I'm just you know managing my stuff in the team. So um, that's the key. And I mean, for us, you know, recruiting former game developers has been you know one of the keys to 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 be able to approach this problem. So, kind of a, a little bit of a bigger picture question. Um, what's been kind of the biggest change in the IT or, or you know dev space since you started your career? Would you say it's you know the development uh, or the, the coming to prominence of you know kind of agile methodologies? Um, maybe moving from you know like you were saying, moving from AAA games requiring you know a small team to 
you know, something equivalent to something like a large movie? I mean, what, what, uh, you know, I was interested in your perspective on that. Yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot of change. I mean, the, the most, the most obvious, you know, thing is of course to move from kind of on-premise to cloud. Um, so, so that has been driving a lot, a lot of change and, and, um, um, you know, when we started, you know, most most developer tools were, um, you know, were you know on-prem based, and, and and today, you know, um, you know most most are are cloud. Uh, the change which is happening right now is that uh, you know larger organizations are realizing that they need uh, a higher level of uh, sophistication in terms of let's call it the enterprise cloud. So. They need, you know, better security. They need, you know, better control over uh, data locality. This is partly driven by things like GDPR. Um, but one thing we hasn't been so much discussed is the new uh, Cloud Act in the U.S. that is going to have an effect. Um, and 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 there's just generally a lot of different things, you know, driving the need for enterprises to to you know they need better uh, IT governance. You know, in general, you could say uh, even when they're in the cloud. And then you have some vendors. Like for example, Microsoft who really understands this and and have the, uh, the, the you know the skill, um, both the vision and skill to to address these things, and and I think they're doing things in the right direction. And then they're going to be, um, you know, smaller companies who gets this and and are addressing this too. And you know, Favor is one of them. So I mean, we we understand these things and we are giving this to our enterprise customers. But then you're going to have a large, uh, you know, group of you know smaller vendors that either can't live if, live up to these requirements or they they're not they're not even trying to, to do it you know they're simply going after more of a kind of a small business market um so so that is one really big shift that happened um the other thing that's happened is we um uh, you know agile it, you know has, has for sure shifted a lot of things and but i think the one of the big things there is that you know the agile mindset or you know, agile philosophy, so to say, have been have been crossing over into a lot of other things. So you know, we have you know DevOps, we have uh, kind of you know you know lean startup approach, and and you know agile marketing. And you know, today we basically have agile everywhere. And I think it was the last issue of Harvard Business Review. Um, their cover feature was you know agile at scale, and they're talking about okay, now uh, if you want to be competitive in the future as a big company, you know you need to really think about how you make your whole enterprise, you know, more agile, you need to have a strategy for that. So, so that is a big change. But then I will say the third thing, which is, um, quite a, quite a, you know, massive change, which is happening right now is that we've been moving from a world where it was very much, you know, you were choosing tools, either kind of an all inclusive approach with, let's say Microsoft, uh, or you would have more of a best of breed approach and integration was always a bit of a, um, a challenge, and today, you know, we are in a world where, um, you know, everything independent on if you're um, buying from a from one of the you know big vendors or from from um, you know smaller ones, um, you know, it, it, it's all cloud based, and 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 we are today in an API economy where everything's very easily integrated with each other, at, you know, in a you know quite seamless way, and you know that is kind of getting its uh, you know, added features now also with, you know, what, what these integrations are, are rather bots and, and we can have added functionality uh, coming out of that. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening there. And, you know, we're going to increasingly have kind of uh, AI, um, you know, companionship around these kind of things where, you know, your AI is, is helping you. So, for example, for us, that, w- that means that uh, we use AI to 
basically augment your uh, you know product management vision and you know help you with things. You don't need to think too much of being a manager, but you know a lot of the AI will do that for you. But um, uh, this means that we're it's more of an open open kind of economy now, where I think we're also seeing the um, you know bigger vendors like Microsoft with 360 are um, uh, you know they seem to be going in the direction where the um, uh, you know they they are okay with that their customer will will be using um, you know 360, but they will be using a lot of other things, and they might not. Ne- let's say that they might be using 360, but they might not necessarily use Microsoft Teams, but they will use Slack instead, um, and they might not use you know Microsoft Planner. They will use you know Favor instead, you know, and so forth. So it, it's 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 more open than ever, and and I think that's that's really good. So would you say that's, uh, you know, that kind of example is uh, one of the better trends in IT? And then kind of on the other side of that, what are what do you think are some of the worst trends you're seeing right now in the industry? Well, I mean, most most trends right now, um, are, I think, are, are, are quite good. Um, the, the things that are co- complicated is, um, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, the Cloud Act is, is, is for sure going to cause trouble and um you know there's going to be good thing i mean it forces you know vendors like us to come up with really great solutions that's probably you know in the end of the day are going to do good things but there's a let's put it this way there's um this this is there's a little bit of we can call it technology nationalism happening here you know where you know this actually you know more from a political point of view uh where where there are some things happening that that you know are not you know great uh, I mean, net neutrality is a very important question, and which is being very you know challenged right now. And and, and that is that's, I think that's bad news. Um, you know, the, the Cloud Act, I, I think at least you know short to medium term is is is, uh, is, is not great news at all. And uh, and for some for some context, I, for listeners that aren't familiar, the Cloud Act is specifically the legal framework that's now or the the legislation that went through that provides a legal framework to for U.S. based companies to provide access to data stored on foreign servers. To, it was kind of to resolve, partly to resolve a Microsoft uh, or a lawsuit against Microsoft uh, to access uh, info on a Irish server. If that's my understanding of it, or am I incorrect on no, that? I mean, basically, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, U.S. government will, you know, will be able to, you know, if you're an American company, uh, you need to give access to to your your data, you know, potentially independent on if it's if it's on you know foreign soil. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, if you're now a German company, uh, it doesn't even, you know, if you're dealing with, let's say, um, you know, Microsoft, it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter that you're dealing with Microsoft in Germany and everything's, you know, happening is in Germany, you know, you're still going to have that, you know, potential, um, you know, you, you know, NSA is going to be there, you know, so, so it's, um, and and this you know this is obviously to various degree you know th- this is potentially um, um, something that can make make it a bit complicated for American companies to to do business you know abroad. Uh, so you know in one way it could it could be good news for vendors like us, for example, you know because we're a Swedish company. Um, 
but uh, but but you know all in all i mean your your original question is kind of like you know what are some of the negative trends and i think you know just in general there are a couple of things we see which is kind of more on a political level which feels a little bit of a kind of a step backwards now uh, the whole thing it's very hard to not mention the kind of you know cambridge analytica thing here as well and and you know all the um you know all, all the kind of heat you know which is you know on on facebook right now and and it's probably you know good good things going to come out of that come out of that too i think um but uh but but you know short term that that is going to hit a lot of you know businesses too and and there's this of course a bit of a risk that some of the um, uh, potential artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence has a lot to do with uh you know you know the data uh, that you have access to and and um you know if we look a little bit forward here you know that it, it could be this could be limiting you know some some Things that we cool things that we might either have otherwise have seen, but but I think at the same time it's a little bit of a kind of a sobering um, kind of period here now. But you know I think that kind of had to you know happen and 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 um, that's probably going to I think there's a couple of very important necessary steps that you know especially Facebook needs to take and that, that this accelerated and you know they might not have taken them otherwise. I mean you take for example dark ads. I mean it's just it it it's it's a I don't understand that that Facebook didn't you know you know put in tools to to get rid of you know that problem earlier um, and that that was just a ticking bomb. Um, yeah, I, I think we're right now reckoning that no one had any ideal idea of the scale and value. Uh, like of of data at itself, not just you know for for its use in a business, but but you know it, you know there's that that old saw now it's kind it's kind of a cliche now that data is the new oil but you know I, I think a lot of in terms of regulation and in terms of how individual consumers are even just viewing it that's relatively new to their considerations where you know companies have kind of been operating that and I, I think yeah the, the 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 pendulum definitely needs to swing back in terms of people reacting to that uh from a societal and and legislative uh, background for sure yeah yeah so, kind of getting uh, more into process, uh, you know, you're a, you're uh, a man educated in organization. You you kind of uh, you make your, your Favro is a is a you know uh, organizational uh, tool to to a certain degree. Um, so, what what is your uh, uh, basic approach to organization and outside of Favro? Um, you, do you have any uh, uh, must use apps that kind of fall within that? Um, well, I mean, the first thing you you know when when choosing choosing apps, the, the absolute first thing is just to to think, you know, what what kind of organization is it that you you know you want to create and, and support, and you know, obviously, you know, I'm I'm big on the you know the, the agile approach, um, which means that you know one of the key things is to uh, organize in in small you know autonomous teams, and you know really organize around dependencies, so you know they will have all the skills and the resources uh, to to deliver you know value. So we can think about each of these small teams as almost like a little startup, and so. To do this successfully, um, it's all about you know giving them the right, the right you know empowering them the right way, which which you know means that they need to have the right people and and so forth. But they also need to have the right tools. Um, and then the second thing is that you know once you've done this well, uh, you need to start thinking about okay, well how do we align, you know, um, all these autonomous uh, teams you know towards you know the, the company goals, so we don't have a situation where they're kind of all going in different directions. Um, and that is basically, you know, the whole the whole trick here. And some companies are very good at this. You know, for example, Amazon, uh, they do a great job at this. You know, with their you know 
to pizza teams and 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 how that has created a lot of success for them obviously uh, but many other if you look at you know spotify which is a, a very topical example right now with their with their listing um i mean they also organize in in, in this way i've done so for, for a long time so um so, so that is of course you know the first thing and then when it comes to okay so what what kind of tools to use there i mean i i'm i'm a big fan of of slack um we have ourselves basically reduced uh, all our internal email. We basically have no internal email, and to some extent, we use Slack also to some extent to collaborate with with partners, uh, and we use that in combination with Favre. So Favre and Slack um, integrated. So you know, Favre will be the uh, visualization of the workflow, versus Slack will basically be the replacement for for the email. So to give an example, when we work with um, you know, any any kind of external company it could be, let's say, around you know, you know, PR. Or it could be around certain design things or, uh, or, or you know, content creation things. Uh, you know, we wanted to feel like it's it's you know, we're all in the same in the same team. You know, we don't want it to feel like okay, you're this outsourcer, so I'm I'm kind of you know throwing things over the wall here by shooting an email and you have that ping pong going back and forth. We wanted to feel like okay, we're one team together and we're working together. So you know, we have a backlog. You know, in Faro, we have a flow. Um, in Favro, and we will have all our communication happening in Slack. So you know that will be you know, we'll have a, ch- a channel you know for this uh, you know for this you know little team. So for me, that, you know that that is a key a key tool. Um, obviously, um, I'm also a fan of using um, you know Google's uh, various um, you know both uh, um, you know docs and and um, uh, you know sheets and so forth. Um, I particularly like them because they work quite well on mobile. Um, so it gives me, a, since I'm kind of constantly traveling, um, it, it helps me to to be able to collaborate, you know, with the rest of the guys in my team and outside of, of our team. Um, so having having something like that, it's, I think it's important. And then, of course, you know, things like um, you know, you know, GitHub and and um, uh, you know, Mixpanel and, and 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 all these you know great tools now, which is you know helping you build a great um, you know data-driven organization. So that that's a little bit kind of my my topics. Um, yeah, and do you have any insight into? You know, it, it seems like every time any uh, company or organization, you know, tries Slack out, it, it seems so disruptive to that email workflow. I, I'm just interested if you have any perspective on. Why do you think email is so ripe for disruption? Is it just because it's it's been shoehorned into you know every kind of to fill every kind of communication need, uh, or is it is there something about Slack itself that you know it's it, since it's collaborative, it's less siloed? I, I'm 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 just kind of curious from a from a process perspective if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I mean, email is is basically an electronic version of a mail. You know, that's just the name, email, and. You know, there's there's a limitation to that kind of form of communication. I mean, if you look at how we communicate as humans, that's not how we communicate. I mean, it's almost like think about it like this. Um, you know, because I love video games, so <laughs> so it's got to compare a you know a turn-based strategy game to a real-time strategy game. Um, I mean, you know, both both can be fun to play, but but. Uh, the one which is more close to reality is, of course, the real-time strategy game. Um, you know, war um, in 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 practice is, is not turn-based. It, it is a real-time, you know, <laughs> thing. 
And it's the same thing with communication as humans. And if you put a couple of guys in a room, it's not it's not a turn based environment. I mean, there are okay if we're going to be strictly academic about it, there are actually situations like you, you could say to some extent, let's say a courtroom is actually more of a turn based communication. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, way to think about that. If we're gonna if we're gonna be real academic about it, so sure, there are situations where humans are actually communicating kind of a turn based in turn based way, but. If you're putting if you're putting uh, seven people into a room and you tell them uh, let's fix this problem, it is not a turn-based communication. It, it is a real-time communication, and and now we're in a world where, you know, our 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 you know central workplace is not the office; it's online. I mean, online is our, you know, it's it's a center work rather than than you know the, the office, and. And then, you know, the tools that we use need to, to imitate as well as possible how we work as humans. And then, uh, you know, working in a, in a channel-based way, like with Slack or Microsoft Teams or, or, or Hangout Chat from Google, um, you know, it's, it, it's just a more intuitive, you know, way for us to, to you, know, you know, collaborate. Now, the, you know, one might say, well, some people that don't like Slack, they say that, well, you know, I... I kind of, I don't know exactly what I read and I can sometimes miss things and I get a little bit out of the loop and, and they kind of prefer that, you know, very structured way of, um, of email where each email, you know, becomes almost like a ticket, but then you're back to square one again, you know, when you start throwing tickets out instead of, you know, really communicating. And I think if you have a, if you have a, uh, an organization where, you know, uh, the mission you're trying to achieve in a team is clear, um, it doesn't matter if you actually maybe miss, a little bit of the communication, you know, you're, um, because it's the same thing, you know, when you're sitting in a room and you're all communicating in real time, I mean, maybe you zone out and there's something you, you know, maybe, you know, you think about your, your girlfriend or, or, you know, what, what, what to eat today. Um, and you miss a part of the communication, you know, then you're back in again, you know, and it's like the same thing with, uh, with Slack, you know, it's just, it's just that kind of, it's just more close to how we actually communicate as humans. And, and now when we're online, um, yeah, it's just a more, it's more, a more intuitive way. So I, I think that, uh, I think we're just in the beginning of seeing how, uh, you know, channel-based communication in, 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 in the you know, company environment will, will replace, uh, will replace email. All right. And shifting gears here, any book recommendations for other IT or, you know, entrepreneurs or, or kind of development uh, pros out there? Well, some of my, my favorites are there's um, one of my absolute favorite books uh, when it comes to organization in, in some of the big organizations called, uh, called um, uh, The Art of Action by Stephen Bungie. And it's actually not an agile book. Uh, it, I don't think it says really agile anywhere. Um but what's really interesting about this book is that he talks about uh, he's, he has an interesting background because he's both a, um, a consultant at Boston Consulting Group, but he's also a military historian. So he's kind of talking about some of the challenges that various um, you know armies has been going through through the ages and how they had to solve them. And he's he's making some parallels to some of the business challenges that have come up now and basically how agility is is what we need to 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 uh, optimize for. He doesn't call it agility, though. He talks about adaptability. But um, so uh, that book is, is 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 very helpful to get a good kind of leadership understanding for how to 
work with how to align autonomous teams and how to organize for hyper adaptability. So that, that one's good. And then there's a relatively new book called uh, The Age of Agile, um, which is on the same theme, uh, but it comes more from um, the perspective of um, agile software development really crossing over into into any any part of the organization. So I think that's a very good read too. Um, then I have, if you want to do something, I mean, if, I'm, if I can uh, take one of my absolute personal favorites, uh, which is um, a little bit more kind of far out in a sense, there's a book that recently came out called uh, Teaming. Um, and it's um, uh, it's called uh, Teaming, uh, and the subtitle is uh, How uh, Superorganisms Work to Build Infinite Wealth in a, in a, uh, a Finite World and Your Company Can Do. And this is, this is written by um, Tamsin Willie Barker. And she's, um, she's a researcher of uh, biomimicry. And biomimicry is the science of imitating nature, uh, nature's design for, uh, for you know, problems that we want to solve as humans. So, I mean, the most kind of obvious examples of that is you know, aerodynamics, you know, where you would imitate you know, how you know, a bird is designed you know, for, for building a good airplane. But, but this book is focused on organization and it's focused on the strat, you know, she's basically concluding in the beginning of the book that, okay, um, adaptability, that is, that is where we're going. Um, that's what we need to optimize for. You know, if we want to take humanity to the next level, uh, we need to be much better at how we uh, are becoming, you know, more adaptable, which is very natural because, you know, the whole term survival of the fittest is really not the strongest or fastest. It's really the most adaptable. So, uh, so in this book, she's basically going through uh, different strategies that nature are using for hyper adaptability, and that we could be inspired, um, inspired by as humans and human organization. So it, it's a very, very different approach to you know how to organize, but I think it's a very relevant one. You know, now taking what we just talked about. Yeah, it sounds uh, super fascinating. Uh, I hadn't heard of that before. Uh, we'll definitely have to have notes uh, for all of those books uh, in our show notes. Uh, so check that out uh, in the post itself. But yeah, those those sound amazing. Cool. All right. And uh, first computer you ever owned, Patrick? And that was the Commodore 64. Okay. The old cl- Did you have a tape drive for that, I wonder? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> that That's still bog... I, you know, I, 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 was, uh, I was born in 1985. I did not uh, ever own a Commodore 64. I kind of came to the age in computing in the age of Windows. It still blows my mind that uh, that tape drives were, you know, the the commodity, uh, uh, you know, persistent storage of its day. It, it still boggles the mind. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it was, a, you know, it was a good machine, you know. And I mean, it. I think it. Um, if you look at the impact it had on many people's lives, it's. Uh, uh, it's 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 quite quite fantastic, you know. I, I also have to say, you know, one thing I I so enjoyed is, um, you know, uh, the other year, you know, Nintendo came out with basically, you know, their original NES mm-hmm. in in super you know mini format, and 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 I, I got one one of those, and um, I actually ha- it's so small, you know, so I actually had it in my my bag for a while when I was you know traveling for business and I just connected it to every TV in the hotel room and I just played through you know all the old classics and I loved it it was so much fun yeah the, the way they replicated a lot of the like old CRT scaling is is amazing yeah 
Uh, can I ask, in Sweden, was the, the Commodore 64 as popular? Uh, you know, I, I know it was kind of pervasive in the States, but it, did it have that same kind of penetration in Sweden? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Very cool. And uh, so what are you doing when you're not uh, traveling all over the world and uh, working in IT, Patrick? Um, well, I, um, I, have a, I have a tendency to start things. So I have started quite a few uh, NGOs and, and you know, just, just things I, I think are important. So I have a tendency to get involved in starting, starting things when I'm not you know, building something you know, company-wise. But then I'm also, I'm, I'm actually quite, um, I think it's quite fun with, uh, with ballroom dancing. So um, I, I do, I do quite, quite, quite a bit of that, um, which, which I'm, I am for sure one of the very few in, in kind of the software community that does. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just a lot of fun to, to, you know, visit friends that are organizing uh, something around the world where, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to, 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 to actually, you know, dance to a, to a proper orchestra. So one of the highlights of the year is, you know, in the beginning of the year, uh, this, uh, the ball season in Vienna and, you know they do they do ballroom dancing like the rest of us you know do rock festivals and oh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. and it, it, it it's it's uh everything is like taken from uh from a from a you know movie really and and uh it, it's just it's just a lot of fun do you do that recreationally or is is uh competitively at all no, no, I do it recreationally. Yeah. That that's, uh, sounds like a blast. I I, I would love to uh, see like a festival like that. That would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, if you take the really biggest one, you actually have like thousands of people, and you know, all in you know tailcoats and and you know doing the Wiener Waltz, and 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 the cool thing, you know, because they they grow grow up with it there, so you know, most people know how to dance pretty well in in Vienna. So, uh, you know, you kind of you know blows your mind how, how good they are. And I was just thinking, I mean, sometimes you know you see some. Uh, you know, some, um, some, 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 um, you know, parties, some, you know, what's called, let's say a ball in the U S and, you know, people like dancing with each other, but you know, very few actually know how to dance. I mean, if you want, you know, people that actually really knows how to, to dance uh, are, are typically, you know, kind of communities, uh, where you dance, let's say, you know, you know, salsa. So if you go to, let's say Miami and you go to like a salsa club, I mean, then you have the, a bit of the same experience and you go into a club and everyone knows how to dance and everyone does it. Right. So, uh, that's a lot of fun, but but this is you know you know in this case it's vulnerable. So you go to this place and everyone knows how to do it and everyone does it and it's just so much fun. All right, and very important question for anyone in uh, uh, software development or startups: uh, How do you caffeine? Um, well, I'm Swedish, so we you know, just drink a ton of coffee, you know. <laughs> well, so black, or do you have any? Is is there a particular type of bean or anything like, or any kind of way you like to make your coffee? I think Swedes in general, we know we're big on filter coffee. Um, and we don't make it's not we don't we don't we don't make it too complicated. You know, one really big you know Starbucks actually never really made it big in Sweden, and and uh, the reason is that you are typically having some some pretty good uh, coffee making you know in the actual office, so you can always go and have a have a coffee, and it's going to be high quality coffee, and th- that is how most offices work in Sweden. So the, the market for kind of like you know going down going down and you know getting a coffee. It's, it's, it's not the same as in the U.S. where, you know, someone would typically run down and get a couple of cups of coffee or so. It, it, you know, we don't have that because we, we just make very good coffee in the office. And that's just it's a very Swedish thing. It's, it's everywhere. Excellent. And uh, so to get you out in the last two questions here, who would you like to see answer the IT origins question if you could pick anybody? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good one. 
you know, the story behind behind Slack, I think, is very fascinating. So I, I'm not going to say that because that is pretty well documented. So that question has been asked many times. But I think it's a great example of, of you know, how, you know, a company, you know, often needs to do quite a few pivots there in the in the in the in the early days to navigate to what's going to be the going to be the success. I would say I, I, I would be really interesting to to hear the true story. Uh, actually, one of our, our you know clients, you know, Magic Leap, you know, but I actually never really how it like really really started from the beginning. I would actually love to hear that. I mean, they're, they're very secretive. Um, that would be fun. Yeah, I, w- I would love to talk to anyone from Magic Leap and get their origin story. That would be uh, that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that would would um, that would you know for sure be be one of them. And, and then I give you another one, which is uh, it was actually would actually be quite interesting to get more of the inside story of actually NSA, um, because I'm I'm thinking, you know, maybe you, um, you know, there's, there's been a couple of you know movies lately that has to do with some kind of early code breaking things, you know, like Second World War, so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, there's a lot of stuff also you know happening right now. I mean, and, and I know. Um, uh, there's probably a lot of kind of you know Hollywood movie uh, worthy you know material coming from inside there. So, independent on what one kind of thinks about you know their business, uh, it would be interesting to just kind of get some of the the true inside stories there. For sure, yeah, that, that's uh, both uh, great ideas. We'll <laughs> we'll see if uh, you know uh, down the road we can get uh, some kind of perspective on it. Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a challenge for you there. (laughs) And uh, we'll get you on this. Just a nice, uh, nice, easy question here. Best career advice you've ever received? I think the best career advice I ever received was, yeah, there was was a time, this is is kind of funny. Um, There was a time, you know, just when I was in the end of university, when I I was considering, there was was a couple of, um, you know, really attractive jobs that I had a good shot at getting. Um, without naming any specific companies, um, and you know that were you know considered to be very very good career moves, um, and I was you know kind of coming out very strong from university, having done a lot of things on the side and and so forth, and, and then he was um, you know he was working as a headhunter at the time, and we were just having coffee, and and you know I, I wanted to ask him, I basically wanted his his career advice because I wanted to choose between these these various you know, great offers I had. And he said, you know, Patrick, you're, you're already too senior for all of this. You know, he says, there's no other path for you than to create your own business. I mean, you're, you're going to be bored at all of these places. So, you know, you, you have to, you know, jump in and, and start a business. All the other things is too late for you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically he was saying that I was like, I was like too old, even though I wasn't old in age, you know? Uh, but that was, that was great. I mean, that was kind of like, you know, the one of the important kind of kick in the butts that I got that made me, it's like, okay, I, I should probably pursue a, a more entrepreneurial career. And, and, you know, then one thing led to another and, you know, that's the path I've been on ever since. So, um, that was a good advice. Yeah. Well, speaking of your entrepreneurial career, if people want to check out more about Favro, uh, where should they go? Favro.com? Yes. It's as simple as that. You go to Favro.com. Um, you know, so you can sign up for free, you know, try it out. Um, there's, you know, plenty of great articles there, um, you know, around things, you know, related to, you know, organization in an agile way. Excellent. Well, Patrick Palm, this has been a pleasure and thank you for being on IT Origins. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. <laughs>